I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the Takashi 6 9 and 9 Trey Bloods case. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 and Fox 5, free of charge on my website, lisaevers.com. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on Takashi 6 9 testifying in the nine tray case and also the strong reactions from the hip-hop community we're going to break it down for you so that you can understand in a way that's easy because it's very very complicated hopefully and uh, we're also going to talk in terms of the impact on the criminal justice system how we view the criminal justice system what's really going on there as well as some of the more, more vehement and more outspoken reactions from the hip-hop community and ultimately the impact on hip-hop culture. In just about two years' time, Takashi 69 became an international viral rap sensation, quickly getting millions of followers and fans and making millions of dollars and eventually working with some of the biggest names in the music business. He also became a member, according to the feds, of the Nine Trey Bloods. His defense team is declining to comment until the case is over. Now, Takashi pleaded guilty to nine serious felony charges. He's looking at 47 years to life behind bars. He became a government witness testifying on the stand against his uh, former fellow gang members in exchange for leniency. Now, while his diehard fans continue supporting him and want to believe he'll go back to making music once this is all over, whenever that is, a large chunk of hip-hop's biggest names and also the social media jury are denouncing him as a snitch. There's a lot more on this case. We're going to find out all about it from our panel. Joining me is Chuck Creekmore. He's the CEO of AllHipHop.com and a hip-hop commentator. Chuck, great to have you with us. Thank you. <clears throat> Also joining us is T.T. Torres. She's a Hot 97 music executive and multimedia personality. T.T., great to have you with us. Thanks for having me back, Lisa. Thanks so much. Also with us is Philip Hamilton. He's the owner of Philip Hamilton Law, and he's a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. Phil, great to have you with us again. Lisa, thank you for having me back. Thank you. First of all, let's talk about what we're talking about and what everyone's talking about, Phil. This case just seems like it's all over the place. How did this originate? It originated back actually when we did the last show, Lisa, when we talked about the cooperation agreement that Takashi had entered into with the government to basically, in part, help them bring down this particular segment of the nine Trey Bloods, right? So that was back in February of this year. Uh, and ultimately, he pled guilty, and that was when the huge hoopla about him initially snitching uh, came about because he had to do so within that uh, plea record in front of the judge. Sentencing was put off until January because ultimately the government knew that they were going to try at the time they were thinking the two defendants that are on trial now. And they knew that he, Takashi, was going to be a huge part of their ultimately being able to bring down uh, both these two kind of higher ups that are currently on trial, uh, but then also, you know, to potentially help them bring down others within the organization as well. So that's how we got here. Uh, ultimately, Takashi was testifying over the course of last week to put himself in a position where come his January 2020 sentencing date, he would be able to pretty much escape the at least minimum 47 years that he was facing per the charges that he pled guilty to within his indictment. Of course, he was looking at a maximum sentence of life and some change <laughs> to the extent that the judge decided to go that route. Right. But at least to try to, as you noted, uh, get some leniency, uh, the past week or so, everything that we've all been talking about, all of the hoopla, has been centered around him trying to fulfill his deal with the government to be able to get that leniency and try to come on to those 47 years. Basically, he's singing for his freedom. 
big time. He's singing it, well. Is, and that's <laughs> all right. We're gonna on we're, key and everything. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna break down the testimony. But, but Chuck, are you shocked? by the reaction of hip hop because one minute everyone's trying to get on this guy's social media and get features with him and then now it's it's he's just you know Snoop Dogg's coming down on him all everybody's a lot of big names seem to be not everybody but a lot of big names seem to be speaking out on it no i'm not shocked at all i mean obviously he was a hot commodity when he was out in the street and causing a ruckus even even then he was violating a lot of a lot of codes um when he was free but now that he's a, a snitch, no one's going to ride with him in the industry, you know, as far as the heavies. I mean, obviously the fans are a different story, but nobody's going to stand next to him now that he's, you know, a full-fledged snitch. And that's one thing we don't rock with at all on any level. So, um, you know, I had a, a lot of issues with Takashi when he was out causing mayhem and drama in every city and it was a poor representation of of who we are on this side of things, and I think it was a poor representation of of the streets at that point. You know, so and, and then also in terms of the culture, TT, you always had questions about him in mm -hmm. terms of his significance to hip hop culture. Why? Because I always felt that he was living a lie. I always felt like he sold little kids this fantasy, this facade, like I'm this tough guy. You know, where I could tell people to go downstairs and do you know what to private parts, you know what I mean? And causing all type of ruckus in whatever city he went to, like, yeah, I'm in your city, what's up? Mm -hmm. Bring the drama, always inviting drama, knowing that he was protected by the same people he is now snitching on. And he wasn't this kid in the beginning. And to put that out there and put that energy out there is basically misleading to little kids who looked up to him, which is his fan base. Like, yeah, I'm tough. Yeah, I'll smack somebody. Yeah, I'll do all of that, knowing that you're not about that life. Right. So stop trying to act like you're so hardcore, knowing that the streets are only going to lead to two things, death or in jail. But now this became a very big thing, Phil. When he was first arrested along with the other nine Trey uh, blood members, there were a lot of federal agencies involved in this, too. It was the uh, Homeland Security was involved. The NYPD was involved. There were a lot of different federal ATF. There was a lot in there. And they'd been watching Nine Trey in New York since 2013. So from your perspective and from knowing those, doing those federal cases, how would they work? Do they see a Takashi get in the picture and go, wait a minute, we just hit the jackpot here? This is, a, this is taking the case to a whole other level? Or how does that work? I mean, they could look at him as the jackpot, and I think to the extent from what we saw last week, he was definitely worth some change, right? Uh, he, in many parts, I think, to your point, T.T., was not necessarily a part of that life, like as we put it. I don't think that when we talk about him going to the other cities and causing hoopla everywhere he went and just being so loud and being so boisterous and being so flashy and showy, with respect not just to the entertainment proponent but also like the violence and like the brass shootings Barclays Times Square these are the kinds of things that I think you can look at almost as a government official and just say like this type of person isn't really about that life and to the extent that we're able to get him I think we can get more into the actual inner silent workings of the organization because generally the people who are truly about it and for lack of a better way to put it do well within that industry that illicit industry are those who are silent those who maneuver silently, those who aren't out in the middle of the street being loud, those who aren't bringing a lot of attention. And that was his calling card. So I think once he did come about, 
he was able to put a spotlight on the organization where it may not have existed before because of the fights out in the middle of the airport in L.A. And These are all very, and, and that's yeah. the other thing, too, teacher, you look at you, and guys, everyone, please feel free to jump in. You look at where these incidents, when I look at the list of incidents, you're looking at the Barclays Center, uh, mm -hmm. shooting in near Times Square, an airport. All of these are places where it's very heavily policed, where there's, or at least in terms of surveillance, and very, very, very public, not where you would do something if you didn't want it to be known. What did you think about that, Titi? That, that's why I always felt like he ordered these hits knowing that he had a higher protection. You know, we see now with the video of his uh, driver coming out saying that he was wired and he was an informant. Like someone that is ordering these type of hits in broad daylight on 42nd Street where it is so much tourism happening in that area doesn't do that without an understanding of I am going to get caught. Right. Like, there's no way right. I'm going to get away there's with this. Police, there's a police it, station right there. It's like... Right. <laughs> so, right. And there's cops all around because of all the anti-terrorism Right. Things. So yeah. you, you have to know that, oh, I'm going to be good. These guys, I'm telling to do this type of hits, they're not going to be good. They're not so much. Me, I'm going to be good. You know, so as the case unravels and we start to see a lot of the stuff come out, it makes you question, like you know, his overall intentions from day one. And you also have to, um, he also has to, it has to come a point in his life where he takes responsibility for the actions that he played in all of this. All right, you we're going to continue. You opt in, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, finish no, your thought. You opt into something knowing what it was, right? right? And the, the biggest mistake that, you know, the gang members did, and I'm not glorifying their life because gang life is not cool at all, but you let a civilian in knowing that he wasn't built for this. And you did things and you committed crimes in front of him. In front of him. What do you think he's going to do at the end of the day? So you all have to eat that and you got to uh, take the consequences that come with that. And he also has to take the consequences that come with that because... All right, all right we're going to continue with this. Takashi took the stand and was naming some really big names. Who are they and what does that mean? That's coming up on Street Soldiers. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the Takashi 69 and 9 Trey Bloods case and we have a great panel breaking it all down for us. Joining me is Chuck Creekmore. He's the CEO of allhiphop.com and a hip-hop commentator. Chuck, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Also with us is T.T. Torres, Hot 97 music executive and multimedia personality. T.T., great to have you back with us as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Also with us is Philip Hamilton. He's the owner of Philip Hamilton Law and a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. Okay, I was in court when Takashi, one of the days that Takashi was on the stand, and you could just feel the impact. If I felt like there was an earthquake or tsunami or maybe all of the above going through hip hop at the same time. This guy on the stand looked nothing like the guy that was in Gummo or any of the videos. His, the colors were gone from the hair. He looked very frail, very tiny. And keep in mind too that a lot of members of the gang are, a lot of them at least a decade or more older than him and much bigger, much taller, much more substantial. And then he's there in the blue prison uniform with a white T-shirt and name and names, name and names. Titi, when you heard the Jim Jones thing, what did you think? You know, I really 
couldn't. Just the fact that he would even na- he would he would put those names out there like that. You know, here's the thing, like him naming names, and I know he was asked the question, so he have to, he has to answer it under oath. Right. But for me, I took it as wow, you're really trying to implicate other people, and why? Like, what's your reasoning for that? And my first thought was perhaps the feds are looking at other cases that they're trying to connect the dots to. And he just kind of put everything together, like the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle together. And um, because when I look at, you know, him, you know. But Mel Murder had a previous, has known Jim Jones for a long time. Right. And and in these circles and especially with it, with it, people were, you know, people are at video shoots. A lot of people show up. That 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 type of thing. But let me just ask Chuck that same question. Chuck, what do you think when you know when you started to hear? I mean, the Cardi thing made no sense whatsoever. But when you started to hear him naming these names, people were going like, "Whoa, wait a minute, this is crazy." I mean, I just thought he's just going all the way out. All the, you know, he's doing the Sammy the Bull thing. You know, you know, just going all out and and letting it all hang. I mean, also we don't know what they have on him, so I believe it's possible that they have a lot more than they're showing us and. He's he's on tape. They're on tape, and it's already confirmed. Uh, certain parts of it, at least, are already confirmed, and they need him to go on the stand and then say it. Uh, Phil, Phil, when you heard about the, when you heard about that, what do you you know just? And there were there were a lot of names of the gang members that he was talking about right. as well, who are not famous, so so people weren't paying attention to them. But how much quote unquote snitching does he have to do in order to get his sentence reduced? Or do do the prosecutors go to you go to him if you and say or to his attorney and say, listen, we need this or we need that or this is what we're gonna, you know, break it down. Like does he know in advance? Yeah, this has all been broken down well in advance. I mean, when he entered into the five K one cooperation agreement and when you read the text of five K one, when you're talking about is he just singing just to sing? Is he doing the Sammy the Bull? Why is he throwing all these names and, out? And it just just to, to cut it, just to inter- interrupt you there, so we all know what you're talking about. Is that what you call the cooperation letter? Correct. Yeah, I'm that's sorry. when people become a government witness. Correct. Like okay. that's kind of like the legal terminology behind like okay. you becoming a snitch or you becoming a cooperator, right? Like you enter into that agreement with the government. They post trial, they're not going to ultimately agree to give you any leniency in advance. You, right. They're not going to give you the leniency. They'll let you know pretty much what they need to know, which is everything. Mm-hmm. All that you can tell them, don't come in there and, you know, just here's a little of this, here's a little yeah, of you that. You got to open up. You got to open up. <laughs> and sometimes what's going to happen is people are going to open up like, oh, we didn't even need that, but thanks. Right. And to the extent that ultimately the government can say thanks, <laughs> that's going to come out in their motion pre-January 20th before Takashi goes in for sentencing to ultimately be able to get his leniency. So, you know, for me, this was not a surprise. And when we're talking about people, we're just like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe this happening. Let's define people. That's hip hop. I think a lot of those jurors, and you have to remember the Southern District is made up of the counties of Rockland, Dutchess, Mm -hmm. Westchester. We're talking about very very conservative upstate counties, correct? So when they're coming in there, Cardi B, Jim Jones, it doesn't mean anything. You can, name, you can name any name. They're not ultimately going to know. So they're just looking at this as your standard run-of-the-mill racketeering conspiracy trial. It's hip-hop that is like taking this to the level of, oh my gosh, I can't believe that he did that. But for those of us who are in the industry of defending people that end up in these kinds of situations, to the extent that the snitching stopped, I'd be out of business probably next month. It happens all the time. This is exactly how the government generally is able to carry through its objectives in, you know, Title 18 of the USC Code, which is making sure that you're not having these illicit organizations, all of this racketeering, these conspiracies. You need people like Takashi to basically flip up 
so that they can either get to the top or send a message to the people at the top that we could come for you, we're trying to come for you, to either make them change objectives or to help them like tamper down so that you're not having these broad daylight shootings or just right, because like because we all know they don't tolerate the, the, right. the, the gunplay in Manhattan or at any public place like the Barclays Center is just, they're going to come after you. Lisa, but this is kind of like, and not to cut you off, but just to finish up, this is kind of like the federal government's like broken window policing, you could almost say, right? Like we can't be allowing this type of stuff to happen because to the extent that like the nine trays or these other organizations feel as though they can just run the streets like this and just do whatever they want, right. then where are we going as a society? So they're always going to try to nip this in the bud, whether it takes two, three, four years of investigation. This is like the outcome. So it's not that crazy of a thing to me. Okay, it's just a crazy thing, I think, within the realm of hip hop, who, you know, to the extent you're not in court all the time, you're just not going to be seeing this. This is what this is what people do now. I mean, before it was the other way around. There were people who were gang members and they started rapping to get out of that life or to, you know, have credibility when they rap. Now it's the other way around. You have people, quote unquote, joining to be valid. You know what I mean? So that's what Takashi did. If you look to, at Takashi, to get certified, if you look the, at him a few years ago, he's he was a, always a troll, but he was doing shocking things with different types of clothing. So you just have to go back just a few short years, and he was nothing like that. But he was always a troll. So he just continued to be a troll with street cred. Tt, in, ter in terms of the in terms of the culture, do you feel like Takashi? I don't think you were ever a really big fan of his music, right? You, I mean, to me, Takashi has always been just an okay rapper who makes hot records. Um, I don't think he was a rapper that was like, oh, my gosh. like bars. Oh, bars. Major talent. Bars. Right. <laughs> he's, he's got all his talent. He made hot songs. And the, the problem with that is you got to continue to make hot songs. And when the that sound changes as an artist you got to be able to change with that sound and so the question has always been for me where would he be in three to five years what would he where would he be five to ten years mm -hmm. so you know I always looked at him as a problematic artist because I, I knew that what he was doing couldn't last forever like all this cooning and buffooning and clout chasing and all of this stupid stuff for social media, how far is that going to take you before it burns out? That's exactly. What, but that's the, that's what we're, that's the day and age we're in now, though. Like, right. we're in that, that's where we are. And I think, you know, your, your friends over at Worldstar in part for that because they were the ones that created a scenario where people do violence to get seen. Right. To get To make a name. Viral. They do it viral. Right. right. Instead exactly. of doing it in the so, street. They so now you get somebody like him, and, and he's a product of that era. And I think we have to call it what it is. All right, yeah. we're going to call it what it is. The question is, is the government always watching? We're going to find out what our guests have to say when we come back. Yo, what up? It's The Game, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the Takashi 6ix9ine and 9 Trey Bloods case. Joining me for this conversation, Chuck Creekmer. He's the CEO of AllHipHop.com and a hip-hop commentator. Chuck, great to have you with us. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Also with us is TT. Torres. She's a Hot 97 music director and a multimedia personality. TT, great to have Hi, you. Hi, thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much for being with us. Also joining us is Philip Hamilton. He's the owner of Philip Hamilton Law and a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. He tries many cases in the federal courts. And uh, one of the things that I was so, I've just been kind of in awe of just by the sheer volume of it is the amount of evidence that the feds have. The amount, I mean, the 
that is in court going through all of these text messages, all of these Instagram postings, all of these DMs, all of these pictures, all of this video. Phil, are they watching? <laughs> and people are asking, do, don't they need to get like a court order to listen to and all these audio clips of conversations? What's the law on that? I mean, here's the law, and we were kind of talking about this off camera, but at the end of the day, Lisa, I think back in the 80s and the 90s, work used to be a lot harder for federal prosecutors, for state prosecutors, whenever you wanted to think about getting uh, a warrant for, you know, a phone tap or, you know, something along those lines. You would need to get, like, a confidential informant to fill out an affidavit to then help you go before the judge and ultimately be able to, like, show probable cause for you to be able to listen to Like a why you needed to listen to it. Exactly. There was, like, a bunch of legal work that needed to be done before you could get to it. Now, like, they can actually just kind of go in the inverse and start looking at your Instagram or start looking at your Twitter or start looking at what you're putting out and almost start to use the pictures of the guns in your Instagram, the pictures of all the money within your Instagram as parts of their affidavit to go and get, like, the wiretaps for ultimately, you know, to listen to phones, to... It's a whole host of, like, things that they're now able to do based upon what people just putting out there themselves. I was going to say, so now they don't need an informant because you're snitching on yourself. Like, you're the informant. And that's been a huge change. Chuck, that's been a huge change in hip-hop culture, too, because it's it's like this whole idea of people, if they did dirt, they didn't want want people to know about it. And then now, and then it's like, there's there's the Takashi generation is like, let's just put everything out there. Yeah. And I don't know, I always think, like, do they not think anybody's paying attention? No, they don't. And they're so used to, like, as a generation, this new generation, they grew up with it. They yeah. grew up with it. I mean, Facebook came out, what, my senior year of college? They, they, it's been around their whole life at this right. point, these 15, 16, 17-year-olds. So at the end of the day, they're not thinking it all the way through, probably the way that we did, because we grew up in a different generation. But see, they don't, because it's about the instant gratification that it gives you at that moment. Right. So that endorphin that hits your brain that says, oh, I feel good because somebody liked this picture, that's mm-hmm. so crazy to me that instant gratification trumps common sense and now it's like they don't need a warrant they don't need an informant they can just go to your feed they can see exactly what you posted in your stories although it's supposed to wipe away in 24 hours Mm -hmm. everything's right there for them and they have task force Designed just to go through all of that, and the lo- and the locations too. I mean, there's a lot of detectives that never leave a desk because all they're doing is well, if you remember, investigators, interns are basically like yeah. doing these cases at this point in right. terms of like the collection of the social media. You know what I mean? There's I want to be in the FBI, so you know, in, yeah. in five or ten years. But let me, me but let me ask work, you that. You know? But does that pl- does that place? Because there was a, there was another case that I was in court for, and the Lord, the the uh, the the defendant was housed at MDC. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know we know had has had a lot of problems in Brooklyn, Epstein. And, and and the exactly and, and way before you know no heat in February there were like mm-hmm. all, all kinds of uh, a lot of other other issues there too as well for a long time. But then does that put the does that kind of tilt unbalance the criminal justice system? Because if you're a defense attorney, your client is in a place where you can't have access to him because there's not a, or her because there's not enough. A staff to accommodate your lawyer visit, or there's not enough technology there. There's no high-speed Wi-Fi for you mm-hmm. to go through all of these files mm-hmm. and stuff that you have. Does that is that is that something we need to just be aware of at this point, I or mean, is it well, not that big an issue? It's it's an issue. I mean, to the extent that you're getting terabytes worth of discovery, you right. know, from the Eastern District or from the Southern District prosecutors, you know, to it's more like almost like a timing situation too like i can't sit within mdc or within mcc with you for 16 hours straight 
going over one Who's piece. in this picture? Who's right. in that picture? It, I mean, ultimately you can, but I'm just saying, like, it just makes the defense of these cases so much harder because there is so much out there that can also be interpreted in the wrong way. Like, especially, what did we just say about these jurors from Westchester, from right. Dutchess, from Rockland? Right. To the extent that you're putting all these pictures of money and guns and things along those lines out because you're just trying to get it to bolster your credibility. They don't know that upstate. They're coming in looking at it like, oh, he must be like a thorough, scary gang member that's using those guns, that's right. using that money. It's just like, no, wait, these were just props for credibility. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. I, how are they going to distinguish? And you're just putting yourself at risk. What about TT and Chuck? This is for you. In, in terms of the in terms of the gang images, forget just put the criminal, let's put the criminal, real criminal activity aside mm -hmm. for a minute. Look at all the artists that have been portraying gang imagery over the over the last couple of years. Do you think that's more than we've ever seen before? Absolutely. I mean, I've talked about it a lot of times, and um, I feel like at this point, it's almost a requirement to get in the game is to be a affiliated with some set or some gang. And, you know, I have my feelings about that. But at the end of the day, if they're not doing any crime, then it shouldn't legally be an issue. So, for example, and this is why Jim Jones being wrapped up in this is so crazy to me, because I just talked to him like a week ago, and he was talking specifically about not doing any crimes and not being active in that way, and for the guys in the in the in the gangs to be smarter and um, and how being a blood is not a crime, but it's it's a it's it's like any other trend to me. You know, back in the day, you know, if there was a conscious type of rap, you would see a wave of conscious artists, or if you saw gangster rap, you would see a wave of them, and it it wasn't a blood or a crips type of situation, but now it is here. Specifically. Where you see it in the videos, TT, are we seeing more of it, or is it just because? What, what do you think about that? You know, because well, people talk about the Nipsey, you know, you, you look at Nipsey, Snoop is still out there. I mean, the I people think, are people. Uh, but I think that it always existed in my era. You know, I think that it was always there. If you look at, you know, Pac and Death Row, and I think it was always there. But I think those guys were a little bit more strategic and what they put out there and shared with the universe. I think. Um, now, because of this generation, they put it out there more, like mm -hmm. more on social media, more in their videos, more. They just give, give, give up so much information. And before you were you would be like, is he is he or is she not? Or uh, what? what? Uh, like you didn't. Right, it people were not flying the flag. Face. They're not they're not just right. You know, they're not flying the colors. Right. And I think now it's just such a social media driven type of industry that artists feel like everything needs to be put out there because I need to look lit all the time. And it just adds to it, Phil. One of the one of the things that came out also also in this also in this trial is that Takashi was saying he would give them if you get two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a concert, the nine tray would get like about one hundred fifty or one hundred eighty thousand of it. Is that a commission or is that a shakedown? I mean, it. Like if he made no no no. I mean, if he made a deal like with my manager and it's a bad deal, like you're getting sixty percent and that manager is a member of a gang, is right. that? I mean, I don't even know if they have to be mutually exclusive. That's what I was just trying to think through. Yeah. It could be both. 
right? Like just depending on which party, right? You right. Work, because right? you don't know, you don't know if he what type of deals he signed. Right. You know what I mean? Did what? Yeah. Deal. Did he opt in? <laughs> well, at some point, he did in interview say that you know Shadi was his manager. I right. saw a video online where Shadi was actually at one of his interviews. So you know, if you opted into this deal, then you got to pay the bread at the end of the right. day. Right. Regardless, you don't have to say so if Shadi, or excuse me, not naming names, but if they say I want a hundred thousand or I want half of that, you you're not gonna you say need no. this credibility. Right. You need this you need this credibility you're, and your life you already is potentially opted, at risk. You already right. opted in. There are a lot of artists who are faced with similar situations mm-hmm. that do not opt in. And right. there's ways oh, yeah, to handle yourself. Absolutely. Right. And there are ways to keep it peaceful and cool, thank you, but no thank you. Mm-hmm. But the minute you opt in, right. understand what that is. Right. So you believe he knew exactly what he was doing? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Consciously. Yeah. So Absolutely. is his greatest talent his marketing his marketing genius? Like I I shouldn't use well, the word I genius, but like his marketing for the rainbow hair, I never thought that would fly. I know. <laughs> I never you How know. many people I think, I think honestly his how many down for was his marketing ability? I was just it that's was what I was kind of thinking. Really? Why why do you think that, Phil? Because we're sitting here talking about him snitching and you know facing 47 years to life and right. I just think that then at that point so, somewhere your marketing plan went awry. Right. Because to the extent it was a sweet marketing plan, we're not up. It's, you're doing another show today. I don't think it was that good. I, I think that ultimately it got him into a lot of trouble that in opting in, he wasn't really ready for. And because he hadn't organically come up in that life, yes. he didn't fully understand. Or the music the business. Right. And I think everybody in that life, even those who are boisterous and not so much like silently maneuvering, they still, for the most part, understand the risk of the life in right. a way that I think he didn't. And like that was, I think, a mistake to the extent that you're an illicit operation like the Bloods and you're trying to like make this money and, and do whatever you're doing, that's a bad business mistake bringing him in because like he's not homegrown he and he's liability liable. from day one. <laughs> yeah, but that's so. why that's why it goes back to what I said earlier. Both the both parties have to take those consequences because you knew what that risk would be on both ends. And y'all both decided to opt into something. Yeah, because when I when I was growing up, you could see like a cornball dude and not I'm not I'm not gangster. I'm not I'm I'm none of those things. But you could look at a dude and you know you cannot go a certain place with him or you cannot do certain things with him because right. he won't hold up. In any way, and no. I, totally. I, I just mean like, you know, just fight. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Women have illicit. women have their own version of yeah. it, especially back in the day. Right. You'd be like, I, I can't really go there with yeah, him. If you're in Philly, you can't really go there. Or South or I need, Street. I need to call a certain person. You, I need, absolutely. I need to, right. I'm about you, to go left. Anyway, but you know that that person <laughs> oh, is not built for it, right. so you don't bring exactly. him around. Exactly. Exactly. Because if something goes down, he gonna. Get he gonna buckle. Yes, he's like, buckle. It's, it's like for men. There's only certain certain girls you can take home to mama. You know, right. you gotta have it like yeah, that. Once they bring that guy around, I'm generally gonna be meeting all of y'all in arraignments. Exactly. That's how it's gonna work out. Like, all right, now which one of you three can I represent? Because I can't represent all three of you. All right, mm-hmm. we need to t- take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Is Takashi's music career over, or is this going to be the beginning of a brand new chapter? That's coming up on Street Soldiers. Yeah, yeah, NYC, what up? You already know who this is. Your boy Uncle Murder, a.k.a. East New York. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers live on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers. Real people, real issues, real politics. You heard?
Brooklyn. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the Takashi 69 and 9 Trey Bloods case. Joining me for this conversation, Chuck Creekmer. He's the CEO of allhiphop.com and a hip-hop commentator. Chuck, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being with us. Also with us is T.T. Torres. She's the Hot 97 Music Executive, and she's the Hot 97 Music Executive. She's also a multimedia personality. T.T., <laughs> great to have you Thanks with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Philip Hamilton. He's the owner of Philip Hamilton Law and a criminal defense and civil rights attorney. Phil, great to have you with us. Thanks for always having me back. All right, thank you. What do you guys think in terms of the <clears throat> impact on hip-hop? Just, just to see a figure that big in terms of his following out there in this criminal, is there gonna be any impact, Chuck? Oh, I think it's, listen, for me, for all hip hop, this is great. Like, <laughs> Lots traffic of views, is right? up, <laughs> people are talking, you know, so this is great. I mean, Takashi, unfortunately, has always been that type of figure that gets people talking. Um, I, I think that, I mean, he's snitching, that's a bad thing, so to speak, but that's the life. Um, for, from a music point of view, um, I don't think he's going to be able to make music anymore. I mean, he may be able to do it from a safe house or somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? A like, safe house. A safe house. You don't need the you don't an, need undiscl an undisclosed, undisclosed location. location. You can't find him. Right. T.T., but what, what about that? In terms of ter First, in terms of the impact on the culture, do you, are, do you have concerns that this is going to have shaped the way, especially internationally oh, now, yeah. I how think, people are looking at it? I think it, it will have an impact on the culture. I think, you know, anyone that is associated with a gang or have any type of affiliation, they're going to be watching. You know, I think that he also gave them the blueprint of how certain things worked. Um, from the inside. So, yeah, I think it will have an impact on the culture. Will he be able to make music? I think where, where he's going to have a problem, what, some, how should I say this? I think where the problem is going to come in at is that it's going to be hard for him to find producers, mm -hmm. writers, yeah. other artists that will work with him because a lot of them won't stand next to him. Do you think um, they'll be shamed if they, honestly do you think they'll be shamed? Yeah, I think some of shamed them will. if they pub absolutely. publicly shamed if they yeah. they work with no him. Way. Absolutely. I think I think so. Mm -hmm. Um you know, his fans are really naive. A lot of them are. Um a lot of them are also little kids who have never remotely bust a fruit a, a grape uh, in a fruit fight exactly so they don't really understand this type of talk although they have twitter fingers and instagram fingers and they think that they do but they really don't um i think you know bad influence on them i think that he had a real influence on them um it's i'm curious to see how this will shake out once he gets out um so i think he will have some issues on that note i just want to say something real quick i i hope and I pray we see this. We've seen this before. So similarly, that this is a cautionary tale for those kids that you speak of, mm. that these kids can understand that there are ramifications Absolutely. for putting everything on social media. There are ramifications for mm. provoking people. There are ramifications for being affiliated, and you're not about. Yeah, that but life. if he gets out soon and he's turns out to be even bigger than before but that's the what side, kind of cautionary tale is that he's but, even but more now side, now he's got people, oh i was arrested i was yeah but people but people on the you other think side, the snitch label is not gonna they need to vet who they bring in you have to vet people like there's like, again back to the i have friends who i know will die for me or bleed for me but everybody is not like that right so you can't have everybody you can't talk to everybody you can't 
roll with everybody. You got to be careful. You yeah. got to pick and choose and your business, company. And, and boy, this, is that and, a and, and, and this other and, stuff and also these com and uh, these conversations that get recorded, like the Jim Jones one, can be taken out of context too. You could look at that Absolutely. saying he's trying to give him advice, right? Kind of like a bigger brother, you know. Here, yeah. Hey, man, just work it out. Stay out of it. Stay out of it. Instead yeah, of doing well, that, when we saw when we heard Jim Jones talking, I'm just like, this is just a casual conversation. He's right. not ordering a hit, right? Like the way they kind of tried to portray it. Right. But remember what I was talking about in the sense of like the misinterpretation. Right. And why people need to be kept because you may know that. Right. You may know that. But from someone, like a, and also culturally, culturally right. too. Culturally. 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 Yeah, culturally. But like up in Westchester, up in Dutchess, again, these counties that are making up the Southern District of New York, or yeah. even for the Eastern District, when you're thinking about Suffolk County or what have you. Brooklyn, it, Brooklyn, it, Queens, Long Island, and Long Island right. Correct. They don't know that. They don't know that. And like to the extent that you're kind of having those conversations or you're putting those things out on social media, like you have to kind of think about how it could ultimately be taken to somebody by the power structure right. that will potentially be prosecuting what, you. What happened to being tried by a jury of your peers? Well, well these yeah. two are. They're, they're, well, it's not that's peers. That's a whole other show. That's a whole, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. A, that's yeah, let's a whole say, other but show. But let me, but let me ask but, you this. We're talking, to, I'm sorry to cut you, but we're talking about as if he's going to get out fairly soon and can resume his career. From your experience with the Southern District and these type of cases, is it true he could get out as early as the January sentencing and get time served? Or, this or is, is the is, important, no, this is the important thing. When it comes to the federal sentencing guidelines, yeah. they're wholly discretionary. They're not mandatory. Like the guidelines, when we talk about 47 years to life, that just sets out what's objectively reasonable. That's like a starting place. But a judge can always upwardly depart or downwardly depart, right? right? So the judge is not locked into that. And with respect to that cooperation agreement that we discussed earlier, depending upon the motion that the government files before Judge Engelmeyer, who the case is currently in front of, he can do really whatever he wants based so he upon... he could say time served. He could say time served. He could say 47 years, which is the thing about sometimes going to trial like on the federal cases. You at least know what you're going to get because it's not like you're getting a predisposed deal prior to entering the mm -hmm. plea. That like, mm -hmm. like in state court, okay, I'm going to get five years, so I'm going to take this plea. Right. You don't know necessarily what you're going to oh, get. Oh, really? Which is sometimes why like with certain clients, it's just like, well, then let me just go to trial, right? Because the issues there to fight may be such that even if I go to trial and lose, like if the facts come out, the judge will see like I wasn't a major player, yada, yada, yada. Takashi didn't even consider that. He was just like, from the minute he was in, what do you need to Boom, know? I'm an informant, and, and, <laughs> that's, and that's yeah. it. So the judge, so the pro, so do the prosecutors once this case is once this case is over, which could be this week or you mm -hmm. know could be very soon, the the prosecutors kind of write a letter like a good behavior they're or ma like a good like witness a, letter type of thing. They're making a strong recommendation that, from a policy perspective, the judge is going to take into account because you know you don't want them saying like, all right, we want him to do time served, we want him to do a year, whatever, a year and a day, whatever it may be. And then the judge is given 47 years because then the next time someone's in Judge Inglemeyer's part and they're considering a cooperating, they're like, I'm not going to cooperate because right. the last time someone did, thinking that they were going to get like some short time, he got 47 years. Wow. So like wow. from a policy perspective, the judge kind of has to take into account what the government is coming with in the sense of like what they feel is appropriate and what they feel is fair. And like I guess time will so can show. The, but I so, have a question. Can the government say we want judge, we recommend him just get time served and the judge can yeah, do they make that? an actual do the pro, good yeah. question do the prosecutors actually make a, rec, a specific time recommendation say he helped us put away x number of people and they can they don't have to i think like in a case like this however with as much as he's given i'm i would be surprised at least i'll say if within that 5k motion the cooperation agreement ultimately that they put before uh the judge 
I'm sure they'll make some recommendation as to like what's an appropriate amount of time, if any, that he should serve. I mean, they're going to have to start probably with this testimony, figuring out witness protection, like all kinds of things, if it's going to be like a January release date or a February release date. Right. Time will time will tell. And, right, he, we'll and he can opt into witness protection or he can opt out of it, correct? He can, but I guess based upon everything we've seen, why would you opt out? Otherwise, you might as well. If like if you're that like if you got that kind of gravitas, take the case to trial. Mm-hmm. Take it to trial. Right. Yeah, you but know? but like the thing is, so, I mean, you talk about his careers. Like, how could he perform with the with death right. threats and that many people? You know, who would want him? So was his career that important to him in the first? Like when you're talking about him being brought in, kind of cornball cornball style. Like, was his career really that important? when like the time came to show that like you knew once he went in and made that agreement with the United States Attorney's Office that yeah your career's pretty much over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's people like that have we know within hip hop not entered into those agreements and then were able to come out. Mm-hmm. Credibility was all set, you can yeah. continue forward with your career. I don't know, he didn't do that. So how important was it? I don't know. I don't know. And he, he reportedly has mil- millions of dollars. Chuck will hip hop ever forgive him? I can't personally say that hip-hop will ever forgive him um i it's a day and age where not only do you have certified guys you know denouncing him but i think that the others so to speak will follow suit and just you know not not really rock with takashi i know that there's a lot of people that are not street cats or not following those rules and they may still continue to listen to his music but i just don't think things can never be the same. And I think that if you do rock with Takashi, we're going to look at you like you're basically a, a clown. And just know the risk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Know the risks. Know yeah. the risk. Absolutely. Titi, what do, you, what do you think about him with music at all? I don't. Credibility. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think about him. Um, I just think that, like I said earlier, I think he's going to have a problem making and creating music um, from a producer standpoint from an artist's feature standpoint, from a writer's standpoint, um, we're going to have to see. Right now, I think he's most worried about getting those tattoos removed and where <laughs> he's going to live. And yeah, how do you go to what? And, what, and where, what about his family? Where right. will they live? Yeah. Uh, I, this, is all, this is all up in the air. all of that, and, I mean, it's, it's a case-by-case situation. It, it they depends. would be the ones that, well, they, we, as taxpayers, would have to be the ones to ultimately pay for the removal of those tattoos. Wow, I didn't know. I, I'm really interested to see ultimately what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to be looking at January 2020 in terms of the sentencing date and then kind of what happens moving forward, just the same as all of you, you know? Because there's so much there's so much in this and so much that goes... That goes. I honestly have to say more, Lisa, just because, like I said, of hip-hop. This is still standard run-of-the-mills. There's nothing about this trial that like, I'm looking at that's like, oh, my gosh, this is the, you know, the craziest trial ever. It's just more... Yeah, I grew up a fan of hip-hop, so like in that respect, I'm going to be looking at what's going to happen to Takashi, but like from a legal perspective, it's pretty run of the mill. But do you think the government will be looking at hip hop because of all the attention that they get, the way that they used to use the like in the in the Gotti era with those with those big mob cases, yeah. right? You know, with lots of headlines. They will, but you always have to remember with the government, it's just like where are your priorities at the time, right? right. Like, is it terrorism? Is it political corruption up in Albany? Is it hip hop? You know, I guess. Right, and a lot of the terrorism cases have been have been resolved at a certain at this point right now. Yeah, where, where is where is your where is your focus? 
Where's the focus? All right, our focus is unfortunately out of time. But um, I want to thank you for being with us. Chuck Creekmore, great to have you with us again. Thank you so much. Thanks again. TT, always a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you so much for being thank with you. us. TT Torres and Philip Hamilton, great to have you back. And thank you for uh, helping us understand all of this. Thanks for having me, Lisa. We really appreciate it. And thank you for watching this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace. <laughs>